Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. It's Anna, David. Who else would it be? That'd be weird if it was somebody else. I am the host of After Party Pod. If you are listening, you ideally know that. And I'm super grateful. I have been getting super nice emails about this. I can't even tell you. Sometimes from people who are um, drunk. Sometimes from people who are not drunk anymore, um, used to be drunk. Um, find this podcast helpful in that. And, and some really, really nice reviews. I tend to discuss the not-so-nice reviews, which is just insight into how my head works, which is to say that I think I notice there are good reviews, but I, I know I notice when there are bad ones. And a lot of you send me emails saying that these things that I share with you that the bad ones say are not true, and I appreciate that. But I wanted to call out some people who have given really nice reviews, Elise is special. I know Elise. We're Twitter friends. Hey, Elise. A-L-Y-S-E is how she spells her name. Loosh, S-D. Tristan Powers, L-E-L. J-V-V 1997. Uh, These are just some of the people that have been been so supportive, and I'm so grateful. And uh, the podcast is growing. Yeah, a lot. And that's thanks to you telling your friends and, 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 and continue to tell your friends because that's the best way for people to find out. But you can also tell strangers and you can tell strangers by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and by giving it a five-star review. Uh, it's huge. It's super important. I will love you forever. Now, what else do I want to tell you? Well, this episode is sponsor sponsored. <laughs> I'm not starting again. This episode is sponsored by Audible. So you can get your free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash afterpartypod. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from. And I'm a big fan. I, uh, I download books all the time. I've told you that. I even have one that's on there and it's really short, but this is not about that. Go get your free audiobook and, uh, you can get it through us, which I, I love personally. Now, what else? What else? What else? Um, lots of stuff going on. The site after party chat is growing at an exponential rate. We're now taking ads. It's all very exciting. If you haven't checked out the site, please check it out. It's a great adjunct to this podcast. Although truly, this podcast is an adjunct to it because it is merely one of the posts that goes up every week. Um, and there are five posts a day. So there is that. And yeah, I had a good weekend. I had a, I had a, 
a, a campfire party, which is to say that you could, I was only serving foods that could be cooked over the fire pit in my backyard. And that means that there were lots of s'mores and that there were, um, I got these sandwich presses so that you could put two pieces of bread and cheese and make a grilled cheese. And it tasted better, and it was really cool, and people enjoyed themselves. So that's some sober fun. Oh, we played Heads Up. Have you ever played that? It's that super fun app that's like charades. Anyway, let's get to our guest, shall we? Jeff Ulrich is our guest today. Now, Jeff is is huge in the podcasting world, so you may know him. Maybe you're listening to this because you know him. He and uh, Scott Ackerman started Earwolf, which, as far as I know, is the biggest comedy podcasting network in the world. Um, It's only been around since 2010, but in that time, they have just gotten to be huge. Uh, They have Comedy Bang Bang, which is a TV show, also on IFC. They have Kevin Pollux. Anyway, they have a bunch, but that's not the point anymore because Jeff has just left his own company by choice. As he says, he fired himself. So he is the youngest retiree that I know, but he has all sorts of new things planned. And you know what? He's surrendering. We talked a lot about that. He's sober a couple years, had an interesting story in that he started late. I mean, late. He was one of those like pedantic, don't drink people, but then he realized that he wanted to. And so he stopped saying that and just started drinking and um, has a really interesting story, which he is about to tell you. And so I give you Jeff Ulrich. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Okay. Hey, Jeff. We're starting? Yeah, we start cash. Hi, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) You're the one who told me we were starting. Oh, no. Did you expect like a a very professional intro? No, I didn't have any expectation. Um, So I'm glad you're doing this. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. You were kind of the guy who introduced me to podcasting. I knew nothing about it until the day that I sat down really? with you and nothing? Jake. Really nothing? I know. I really faked it that day, didn't <laughs> yeah, I? I? I didn't think that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you have been like the king of podcasting and now are the youngest retired man I know. <laughs> Is that the case? I mean, I say I'm retired f- because I don't know what else to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not looking for work. Uh, I'm not looking to start a new business. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of retired. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, like I don't have enough money in the bank to live for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I would have to have, you know, this company, uh, sorry, uh, my company make money and give it to me or I'd have to sell it. Um, so I don't really know what's going to happen, but I feel retired and I don't know what else to call it. So that's what I call it. Um, is that, is that freeing, liberating? It, it, it's everything like it is. I mean, you know, I'm an alcoholic, so I still have anxieties around things and I still, here's the thing. I don't have a future to plan like I used to before. Right. And that's something that's new for me that I'm trying to, you know, deal with. Do does the fact that you're sober help you with that? Like in terms of some spiritual surrender to what happened, you know, your yeah. 
Well, I've always been a terrible surrenderer uh-huh. uh, and uh, a turn it over person. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I did it. Like I literally started a company and then handed it over to other people to yeah. run. And it's my only financial asset. So it's not like – I mean, I own my 2011 Hyundai Elantra. Congratulations. I own that. that. Yeah. I don't own anything else. So it was a big deal for me to turn the entire thing that had become my identity and my financial everything to other people to run. So I'm I'm just still like coasting off of the the wave of that. Well, but I mean that by very definition, you are not a bad turner over. And I'd like to keep using that word and you should copyright <laughs> it because I might steal it. You're not. I mean, you've done like the biggest thing of somebody I know in terms of a tangible turnover. But in my daily life, I'm not really good at it. Maybe this will help. That that was like it was a you know, I mean, it's not even two months and it was it was a big bang thing of like, okay, I'm the wrong person to run the company. It's better for me and for everyone if I'm not doing this anymore. And so I'm just going to do it. And I did it. But now, like on a daily basis, I'm terrible. What are you doing all day? Um, it depends. Working on – New things. No, no, no new things. Working on yourself. I'm working on myself. Uh, you know, I'm getting life insurance. I set up a trust. Um, I've done a little bit of traveling. I'm doing 90 and 90. I started that nice. uh, six days ago. Have you ever done that before? I did when I came in. I did 86 and 89, and then my daughter was born on the 90th day. Right. Um, but I haven't done what it What about since. 87 and 88? I No, I'm saying I, I did 86 oh. out of 89. Oh, I see. I see. I, I, see. I missed three days, uh, three meetings. We forgive um, you. Thank you. Yeah. So, I speak for yeah. <laughs> nobody. I barely right. speak for myself. So I haven't done anything like that since, and I'm sober now almost – you know, two years and nine months. So it's been two and a half years. And you told me January 3rd, 4th is your date. Mm -hmm. So what was, okay, let's go back. I know so little actually about you. No, that's good. It's more than, it's better than okay. Where, where are you born? Where are you from? I'm from Chicago, outside of Chicago. Okay. Rolling Meadows. Okay. Yeah. Never heard of it. I'm sure it's wonderful. Suburb of Chicago. And um, are you have brothers and sisters? I have a sister. She's 16 months younger than me. She's still there. And and so you grew up and what – first of all, like what were you like as a kid? And second of all, like when did you first like drink or anything like that? Sure. Um, I guess I was pretty gregarious as a kid. I was a ham, mm-hmm. a center of attention. I was the best baseball player and I was always in like the school plays and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely saw – Well, those saw don't go together really. I mean, yeah, I went to a small Catholic school, mm-hmm. and so you just – everybody did that stuff. But I would do like the solo and make a jerk out of myself and – Oh, but – okay, so you could – Tap dancing. You could and sing and tap dance? Until puberty, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> then, like, did you take lessons? Like, you, one isn't born with – oh, that's so cute. Yeah. You took tap lessons. Yeah. They, well, it wasn't just me though. Like, right. they sent someone in and said, okay, okay. we're going to be doing this show. And so every day after school for – However, two two hours. Shuffle off the buffalo. Shuffle off the buffalo. Absolutely. I, I my tap dancing was limited to I at Trinity College where I went. There was uh, we were doing anything goes, and I had lots of dance background, which is how I got into any play. It was not my voice, and they we did a dance audition, and then they handed us a piece of paper, and they said, "Can you tap?" And all you had to do was check yes or no. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting with this girl from my hall, and she, we're like, "Well, if they're asking, yeah. it must be pretty easy." <laughs> so we both uh, t- check yes. 
yes. And we yeah. got the two tap dancing parts. And the interesting uh-huh. thing is it's Mary McCormick who went on to be to right. great, great fame. Yeah, yeah. This was her <laughs> debut. Um, and we taught ourselves in the hall. Yeah. We went and bought tap shoes and figured out shuffle off the button. Right. So, but you had actual training. I mean, no. Like, I don't want to overstate it. Okay. I, I had um, – they outsourced training that yeah. was that was sent to us. Yeah. And, and I learned how to tap. And then I got on stage and I performed. But it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Right. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, I, I did a lot of activities and, and I was involved in stuff. And I was always kind of uh, a social in that regard. So you were a very first child. I was I was first child, yes. And, um, and so um, when did you first drink? I remember having a drink probably like seventh grade. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a friend's – had a sister who was old enough to have her own apartment. And so we stayed over. It was a sleepover. And it was me and these two kids uh, from seventh grade. And we played quarters with beers, Budweiser, you know. We didn't – it was one of those like you don't know what you're doing. So it's whatever you saw on TV or movies and heard about. Um, they smoked. I didn't. Uh, and I don't know if I had even a full beer. Mm-hmm. But I remember drinking. But it, it didn't have any impact on me. Like, it's not like I sit here now today and think like, oh, yeah, that was that was the, the first time. And I remember it. And there were yeah. fireworks. It was nothing like that. The first time I remember really drinking was at my uncle's wedding in Virginia. I was 16. And I had one of my uncles kept feeding me amaretto sours. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I couldn't get enough. It was mm-hmm. just more, you know, more and more and more. But then I, I, I didn't drink again. Question, how intense was the puking that night? It, it was it was bad. Yeah. It <laughs> Did was it happen at the wedding? Or? At the wedding, yeah. after the wedding, the next day. Uh, and But then, so f- really, though, my whole life up until I was 22, I was the annoying guy who never drank and mm-hmm. lectured everybody about it. Ugh. Like, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I I was a virgin. I was like total straight. Were you edge. lecturing people about keep holding on to their virginity? No, too? not that. Just smoking and drinking <laughs> and drugs. I would I would lecture people and tell them not to do it. And so you didn't. So even though you had this amazing experience at sixteen, you had no desire to repeat it. No, none. Why I, do you think that is? I don't. I don't know. I think. It, we were at the wedding and it was fun and, and it was like, you know, my family was kind of like involved, but it wasn't something that you were supposed to do. And I felt like, I, you know, I didn't do things I wasn't supposed to do for the most part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and that included that. And were you, did you, was it a drinking household or did your parents not really drink? My dad drank, my mom never drank, but, um, I mean, my dad, like my dad's not an alcoholic. It wasn't like he drank like, mm-hmm. like that, um. Irish Catholic family, but there's not a ton of drinking in our in our family. So there's no alcoholism anywhere? There's one great uncle died of alcoholism. But I mean, you know, my mom has like 150 cousins or 160 cousins. And I want to say like there's maybe one or two instances of clear like that person's got a problem. So you guys could essentially go Guinness book style. Like we're the biggest right. Irish yeah. family without alcoholics. I mean that's kind uh, I'm of sure crazy. there's people who yeah. are that I don't know yeah. of, about. But like you given know. that it's not family lore yet. Although so much denial in our previous generation. Absolutely. That who knows you know who I, knows? I, yeah. I think both my mom's parents were alcoholics, but like she doesn't think that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, you're right. You're 100%. All I'm saying is that, like, we didn't have any, like, obvious train wrecks. There was the one guy who, like, who had a problem that we know. 
Yeah. So, and so then you were in college. Yes. And you decided to try it again, despite your lecturing. Uh, well, no, actually it wasn't college. It would have been after college. So you, you never drank in college? No, I, I drank one night. Um, my 21st birthday, I had friends came over to my house because I didn't want to go to a bar because I didn't drink yeah. and brought booze and I drank some and, and I got drunk. Um, but again, like it was a one-time thing and I didn't do it after that. Where did you go to college, by the way? Northern Illinois University. Okay. So you graduate and what were you doing? I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. and City. New York City. And uh, I was sharing a one-bedroom, uh, 103rd and West End, mm -hmm. with two other people. Mm -hmm. It was miserable. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I started drinking when I was there. Good reason. I lived on right after college on 86th. Well, and wait, were you West End or East End? West. Okay, I was East End. West End and Riverside. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you got these two roommates, and you've probably got a railroad-style apartment. It was terrible. Yeah. And so you were like, fuck, man, I need a drink. <laughs> I, you know what? I think it was social. I think um, I started dating this girl, mm -hmm. and she, you know, I mean, I don't. it wasn't even her. It's just like everyone went out. Everyone went out. And, yeah. And I gave up the idea that I wasn't going to – be that guy anymore. Was and it so, like an ego thing that you were that guy? I'm sure at some point, like I, it was part of my identity uh -huh. was that I was, that I was, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs. Um, I was really obnoxious about it. Like I, I feel that. bad for all the people who encountered that. But yet, <laughs> yet these, you still had friends who came over on your 21st birthday. So were they just like yeah. martyrs? I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess I had a few other redeeming qualities apparently that people apparently. kept, kept me around. Um, but my now wife, actually, yeah. we grew up across the street from each other. Hey, that's cute. And she was a big part of my lecture tour. And uh -huh. we went to college together as well. And uh, she, you know, she went out drinking and smoking, whatever. And all I did was lecture her about it. And so it's no now wonder. we're married. Were you not romantically involved all that time or you were? We dated for like a cup of coffee. Uh -huh. And that was it in college. Uh, did you have this separate topic? Were you, did you have any idea this was the woman you would ultimately? Oh, marry? absolutely. I fell in love with her Halloween night, 1986, when I went to her house trick-or-treating. And it just took me until I was 32 before. She would date you? Before she would really date me. Really? Yeah. yeah. Persistence. Yeah. Eight years in between when I was married. I was married for four years during an eight-year period. Oh, okay. Okay. And then we reconnected. So – so you could say that your first surrender was surrendering to drinking after being this pedantic, annoying, you know, teetotaler. That's yeah. I think being in New York is was helpful because I wasn't around all of the people I had been lecturing for all those years. Right, 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 right. You <laughs> didn't have there, to look like a hypocrite. Right, exactly. It's like how that's you can, a, that would have been a big thing for me yeah. to avoid the hypocrisy label. Yeah, that's how people reinvent themselves in college. You just waited. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so and so then you were – what were you doing with your life at that point? I was working um, doing uh, executive compensation. It's boring stuff. What does that mean? Figure out how to pay the top-level people at public companies for the most part. That sounds very useful in terms of starting a business one day. No? No, it's 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 called the second oldest profession. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like people hire you to then justify why they should get paid more. And that's why I didn't I didn't last very long in that right, field because right. it didn't it, I was young and and 
I, I had done some work with people who I didn't really respect and they expected me to justify why they would get like $20 million stock option grant. And right. I would say, no, I don't think you deserve it. And so that didn't work out. But that's where that was the first two years of and my then- post-college life. And then I ran my own baseball card trading business. Okay. This was you the early days. Okay. Yeah, the early days of eBay. So I basically created this little business where you had like the top 10 dealers um, in the country. They would do million-dollar deals all the time. And they would go and say, buy 50 cases. This is so boring. I'll talk fast. 50 cases of 1989 tops traded so that they could take out all the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards, get them graded, sell them, and they would make a 20 30% profit. But they would then have all the other cards. So they'd have 5,000 each of every other 131 cards in the set. They were selling them to QVC and Hope Shopping Network for three cards for a penny. Big kind of bulk deals. So I came in. And kind of became a market maker where I introduced people I knew who wanted lots of high quality, lots of of cards uh, and didn't want to have to spend their whole lives finding 5,000 of them. So I connected these basically like penny stock investors with the dealers so that the dealers could sell the cards for 20 cents a piece instead of, you know, one third of a cent. Uh, so I ran that. I kind of built that business into this little thing, and I ran that for like two and a half years. Wow. I, I barely understood the words you were saying, but that's fascinating <laughs> that you could do that. So, I couldn't take it though because I, I – that's when I re- – that's when I first exhibited alcoholism like really. It, th- this was 1997. So there's no such thing as a smartphone. Mm-hmm. So my entire business was providing liquidity. And if you don't provide liquidity, then you're worthless. Uh, so that meant I had to always be next to my computer mm-hmm. because if I didn't respond to emails, I would lose my customers. Mm-hmm. So I literally was in an apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey, and I would almost never leave except to go to the liquor store, buy like a six pack of Newcastle. And I would sit there and drink and work on auctions and deal with my clients. And I did that way more than I, I realized at the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I would drink a six pack like most nights. And so that progression, were you conscious of, uh, you know, you were? Yes. Okay. And so I quit for two weeks to prove that you didn't have that a I didn't have a problem at the behest of a friend of mine. So you, you were like twenty five at this point? No, I was twenty three. Okay. Twenty four. And, and you were drinking alone sometimes. Uh huh. I mean, I would go out with people too, but I didn't have to do that. Hmm. And did you ever do drugs? No, I smoked pot like twice and both times it put me to sleep. And one time I threw up. So I, I never did that. Um, yeah, yeah, you. this is not what I – this is a very unusual story, don't you think, from, from most? From, from what I hear now, meetings. like yeah. after the fact, I'm 40 and I hear people in meetings. Yeah, I mean the fact that I've only smoked pot twice and have never tried any other drug by itself is a fairly – and that you missed instance. those years from 12 to 22 when yeah. a lot of us were, you know, And really I started smoking it. at 22. Like all this stuff, when people start stopping is when I started doing it. You don't still smoke, do you? No, I quit smoking uh, a year and a half ago. Nice, nice. Uh, out of all the things I've quit, that is the most, like, I am so disgusted with myself for having done it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. And I, I really wish I had not taken – I got advice – when I first quit drinking, that you quit the things that are going to kill you first, right? That mm-hmm. kind of whatever that advice is. 
And so I had quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And I went back to it the day I quit drinking based on advice I had gotten. And if I had just waited like two days, I never would have started again because it was way easier for me to quit drinking than it was to quit smoking. I wound up yeah. smoking for another year that I never should have or would have. I mean, like most intelligent people, I don't know, don't don't say that. Don't be like, okay, you should pick up smoking because it'll make it easier to not drink or right, whatever right. they say. I mean, I, you sort of – I justified it because when I got sober, I smoked like a pack and a half a day, and I was very happy that nobody was telling me to quit. Yeah, yeah. And it really did help me through my first right. Nine but months. you wouldn't tell someone to go back to it after no. you had quit. No, I mean, look, I the people I know in sobriety now, not a one of them would give me that advice. Right. But you know, on day one, and you walk in, and Who there's knows? like, there's no screening process. I was there with like one guy, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, who brought me there. But like, I started talking to people. Yeah. And he wouldn't give me that advice. An old timer said, like, you should do this. Yeah. And, and I did, and it was foolish, but I did it. Um, I quit through Nicotine Anonymous. Really? Yeah, that's a real thing. I did hypnosis. Oh, with Carrie Gaynor? Yes. <laughs> I've been to him. And it worked? I mean, I don't like to give it credit, but because I, I was ready. But. Yeah. No, but the, I, I went for something else and he couldn't help me. But like everyone I know who did hypnosis quit through him. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not going to really talk about that. <laughs> I'm curious after the mics are off. Yeah. But I, but I, I don't smoke. And yeah. I, I don't. Want to. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I I was watching I don't remember what it was, a movie or a TV show recently where like they lit a cigarette and it was the first time since I quit where they, where it looked like a good idea to me. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it was gone. So I'm lucky that way. I don't think I've had that. Yeah, and I quit thirteen years ago. Oh wow. I don't think I have. That's amazing. I'm so repulsed by it. Like I the yeah. first three weeks I just was out of my mind. I went into a I went into Coffee Bean trying to order breakfast and I walked out with an egg salad sandwich, which is like just how crazy I was. Like I tried to get a muffin and I was like, egg, breakfast. (laughs) Like I was – I was – and I would go to meetings and I would – if they didn't call on me and I'd go up and yell at them. You know, I was like not okay. Yeah. And then after three weeks, I was fine. Yeah. And was like if I'd known how easy this is, I would have done it. Yeah. And I read uh, Alan Carr's book too, which is how I had quit the first time. Yeah. Which I recommend to anyone out there. I've heard about that. I didn't do it. Yeah. The Easy Way to Quit Smoking by Alan Carr. The problem with Nicotine Anonymous is that people, if you see them, they're like, you're going to smoke again if you don't come back to me. It's like, well, it's been 13 years and I glare at people who smoke. Right. So I walk by. It's different, isn't it? It's different than drinking. For me, it is. For me, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Although I still have smoking dreams sometimes. Do you have Mm – do you have drinking dreams? Mm -mm. You've never had one. I don't think so. I don't remember any. Uh huh. No. So okay. So the, so the drinking you're you're at a, a you know six pack a night and then what happened? It just kept going. You mm-hmm. know. I mean, at this point, yeah. I, I started when I was 22, and I quit when I was 37. Mm-hmm. So 15, 16 years. In the beginning, right away, like I said, I I said to a friend, like I think, like I'm, I can't stop. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you're just drinking like we're all, you know, like like everyone does. Why don't you just see if you can quit for two weeks and then you'll you'll know. And he was like a year older. So I thought he knew what he was talking about, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Uh, and so I quit for two weeks and it, and it was easy. And was it? 
Yeah, of course. I just I didn't go out and I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I was the guy who didn't do it for all those years yeah. and had no problem not doing it. Yeah. Um, it was when I started, I had a hard time stopping. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was identifying as like felt bad to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just spent the next 15 years in various degrees of, you know, on again, off again, but mostly on again, drinking and um, and smoking. Mm-hmm. And were, what were some of the consequences? Well, I, I devolved into a place where for probably about two years in, when I was in Chicago, I moved back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I had no money. Mm-hmm. I had no job. I was unemployable. I was – people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like the outside looking in, my, my parents, I mean to this day, I don't know if they really think that I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But – it prevented me from working. I couldn't keep a job. Um, so you moved back home and in with them? No, I had my own apartment in the city. Mm-hmm. And so I would just go to the bar. And the way I paid for rent and food and whatever was, I played money for uh, pool for money and cards. And I just supported myself wow. playing pool for money for the most part for like two years. I mean, supported myself on a pathetic lifestyle, yeah. but I did – I made it. Bar made it work. Were part of your diet. Yeah, dollar fifty Schlitz cans. Yeah, uh, Jake's Pub on Clark in Chicago, and um, yeah, just the kindness of strange. You know, somebody who you didn't know at the bar would have a big pizza delivered, and the next thing you know, they're like letting you have a slice, um, and just winning, winning a lot of pool. I was very good at it. Yeah, you you have a lot of skills that I didn't know about. I'm a, I'm a barroom Olympian, <laughs> as they say. Um. Well, and so it's so in terms of like the gambling thing, you don't yeah. have an alcoholic relationship with that, or do you? I quit gambling. I I have some sort of a problem with gambling, but it was always when I was drunk. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I never had a problem with gambling when I was sober, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I I haven't gambled in like seven years, and I and I won't. What was the gambling you were doing? I would do well. There was the cards, yeah, there, with people poker? I knew, poker mm-hmm. with people I knew, and then there was the pool, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then there was betting on games. There was going to the casino. I mean, kind of like anything you would imagine. Mm-hmm. I did in different uh, degrees at different times. Would you? And you? What's the most you ever won? Oh, geez, I won <clears throat> won like nine grand in a couple hours in Vegas at a blackjack table, and then. Gave it, lost it all, yeah. and, and then lost another five thousand. Yeah, completely shit faced. Yeah, yeah. It was that was the worst. I had that was the last night. I've never haven't gambled since then. And so, and so, I, I walked away from a thousand dollars too. By the way, because my partner in Earwolf, uh, Scott Ackerman, he wanted to bet me a thousand dollars on how many seasons there were of the TV show uh, Bored to Death. <laughs> And I knew that there were three. I had just seen the third season and he's like, there's only two and he's best friends with Zach. And so he's like, I will bet you a thousand dollars that there's only two seasons. <laughs> but I had promised my wife <laughs> that I would Does never gamble again. Yeah. I, yes. Like either you and gamble you or you paid? don't. Oh yeah. Scott's a, Scott's a, if you're listening, he's a man of his word. He's a complete like upstanding guy. He would have paid for sure. Still, even if you're an upstanding guy, like that kind of a bet, like you throw out. No, he was dead serious. Okay. He was dead serious. But so, uh, I do not gamble in any, under any circumstance. And so what led to this, uh, January 4th decision? I had, my wife had wanted me to quit, uh, 
probably a year before that, almost eleven months before. Which that. is ironic when your relationship started with you lecturing her. About yeah, and game. she drank. Was well, she was with an alcoholic for thirteen years? Mm-hmm. So from college, like she broke up with him to date me. Broke up with me to go back to him. Mm-hmm. Moved out. They moved from Chicago to LA together. They were together for thirteen and a half years, and in, they broke up six months before she and I reconnected. Mm-hmm. So, like, he was like the whole thing mm-hmm. during that whole time, and he was an alcoholic. And in the beginning, she didn't identify for whatever reason that I was. Well, because um, you were probably not as bad, quote as bad. I was pretty bad. You were. I mean, I remember. Um, one night I went out with some friends and they, I didn't realize this, they were doing Coke Mm -hmm. and I'm like that guy. Like I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. People didn't tell me I didn't look for signs. Right. And so I'm trying to keep up with these guys and I was really gone by like 8 PM. We had started at like four. It was Oscar Sunday. And next thing I knew I'm at the Brown Derby, Mm -hmm. which is now a chase bank on Hillhurst. Mm -hmm. And it was like midnight. And I couldn't remember my I, I could barely stand. And I left. And they let me leave. They were new new friends. They just let me leave. And then the next day, my wife is sitting there and like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. She's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I'm pretty hungover. She's like, how'd you get home last night? You're and like, I, I said, no idea. I said, a, a cab. And she's like, no, I had to pick you up from a 7-Eleven. Uh-huh. You called me from a payphone and said that you were at a 7-Eleven, but you didn't know where. And I had to find you. Well, not to mention you forgot you had a cell phone, maybe. Um, I, did I even have a cell phone back then? I don't think I did. Wait. This I was, thought it was three or four years ago. No, this this was 2007. Okay. You had, Sorry. A, cell, you had a cell phone. You asked about right, my wife. Um, okay, yeah. So, so there were two sobrieties. No. No, sorry. Sorry. Let me go back. Okay. The reason why my wife should have known was that oh, she had right. been with an alcoholic for all these years. And then within six months of me and her getting together, yeah. she had to pick me up from a 7-Eleven and I couldn't remember where I was yeah. or that it even happened. Yeah. Wow. So that's when the conversation started about like what's going on. And I was able to kind of get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And it just started this thing of like the next couple of years of – uh, you know, all the rules. I'm not going to drink during the week and I'm not, not going to, and I'm only going to have vodka, not rum and, you know, all of the, all of that stuff. And so finally it got to a point where she's like, you can't do this anymore. And it took a lot to get her there because she's like a classic, like loving enabler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically for 11 months, I was kind of like, quote unquote, dry. Mm -hmm. I barely drank, but I did. Like there were several instances that I did and hid it from her and then was like, okay, well, she's going to find out and and just dealt with it. And like she got mad and whatever. But um, for for those 11 months, that was like the worst for me, actually. Mm -hmm. The trying to stop, but not knowing how. Yeah. And not wanting to admit I had a problem. Yeah, that's the worst. And, And trying to find like, I would plot like, Oh, in two months and eight days, it'll be my birthday. And then I'll be able to figure out a way to drink that day where like, I won't really get in that much trouble, right? you know, and then have two months and eight days of like agony. Oh, no, no. Agony thinking about it. Yeah. Like how come it's not here yet? You right. Know? I mean, I think I was the worst I ever was that yeah. year of trying to quit. 
and either not drinking or hiding it. It, yeah, I mean, I had that experience, but it was with cocaine. It was with everything. I did 10 days of sobriety at one point, and it was not easy. And I took, uh, you know, pain pills and amine the whole time. Right, yeah. And was, you know, insufferably telling everyone, it's my eighth day without alcohol, like they cared. Yeah. Um, but but the I had years where I would say, okay, well, I'm not going to do this cocaine anymore. And then I'd stop for three weeks or a month and be like, no, coke addict can stop. Right. I'll go back. Yeah. So would you have these periodic nights of drinking and be like, well, I got this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I told myself every lie there was. Yeah. And at the same time, I, I knew what was going on. I mean, I can't even tell you how many draft emails because I would go into my email and I would write emails to myself, mm-hmm. either late those nights or early the next mornings, talking about like however I felt, the shame and the the depression wow. around it and and I would never send them there so I just kind of like kept having it and I would explain to myself what had happened how I had embarrassed myself or what I did that I was ashamed of and like looking at that later it's terrible like and it was the same story every time it was I felt the same I did the same things it was just groundhog day over and over again and were you doing anything interesting or were you just you were Staying home and drinking and then doing things. I would go – like I had a friend who I would go to his place. Uh, we would go out sometimes with other friends. Um, I would bar hop. So uh, towards the end, like I would say in the last two years when I was drinking, like I would go to the Roost, which is a place mm-hmm. in Los Feliz, uh, at noon when they open. Mm-hmm. Completely like – didn't hide it from anyone. Like mm-hmm. say to my wife, like I'm going to go work from the bar this afternoon mm-hmm. and get some work done. No one will be able to bother me. We're going to do some Excel spreadsheets. I don't need the internet. And I would go and I would like have two, you know, drinks, mixed drinks from the roost. And you're like drunk. Yeah. I mean, those are strong drinks they make there. Uh, and then I would go to club TG and there'd be new people there and, but the same people, yeah. not new, but like different from the ones at the roost. Right. And then I'd wind up at Edendale where my buddy was bartending. And the next thing you know, it's like seven thirty, Yeah. And you've been drinking for seven hours and your night's over. Right. Uh, that happened plenty. And so with these emails that you sent yourself, you but you never sent them. You left, just them, left in them in draft. Yeah. Sort of like how we're supposed to show restraint of pen and tongue these days and we're supposed to do that with emails we want to fire off to people we're positive have yeah. wronged us. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was doing it to myself. Yeah. Except the problem with that is that they're in your draft so that you can – it doesn't matter it doesn't if you matter send it because it's sent, there. And I, and I wrote it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was all one big – yeah, mental masturbation, really. And so, and so, then what happened that brought you to the point? Um, you know, I like I said, I had hidden that I drank from my wife a couple times mm-hmm. uh, during that that year, and I think that's what really started to get to me. Um, that's one thing. Another thing was that um, I know we're not going to talk about names, but I was out. Um, Say their first names, please. I was out with some people who Mm -hmm. I really respect Mm -hmm. professionally. Mm -hmm. And basically uh, they asked me if I wanted a drink and I said yes Mm -hmm. and uh, smoke and said yes. And I embarrassed myself. One of the people was getting followed around that day Mm -hmm. by a writer from Time Magazine Mm -hmm. who was doing like one of those – a cover story on this guy. 
And it was like, you know, follow around for 24 hours and then write the cover story. Yeah. And so like, I'm the guy who was like shit faced for, for three hours of this 24 hours. I am like shit faced with this guy and a bunch of other people. And I was petrified that when it came out, it would talk about that. Did it? No, of course not. Like it was (laughs) not something that would be important to the story, but I was paranoid. And it's like here, they're not, they weren't friends. These people, they were like professional acquaintances. You were there because they were professional acquaintances. Yeah. Like it wasn't weird that I was there, but it's not like they, there, you know what I'm saying? There's a huge difference between friends and people that you're friendly with. Yes. Right. So I, I embarrassed myself from in front of people who weren't friends, but that I liked. Yeah. And it could have been very high profile. Mm -hmm. And even the threat of that really fucked me up. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. The, the hiding slash like having to come clean to my wife um, was another thing. And then the last day, the last day was, I I started early. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, handle the fact uh, the the idea of not drinking. Mm-hmm. So I went and I started drinking and I drank from probably like I don't know, 8 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And at maybe like 2 in the afternoon, I was like I I'm done. It's over. And I called a friend who I knew was sober. Mm-hmm. And uh our, our friend, mutual friend? No, uh our mutual friend Jake. Uh-huh. And he was in New York at the time mm-hmm. and I said I don't think I can do this anymore. And he kind of talked me through finishing my last drink mm-hmm. and going somewhere after that. Uh-huh. And then um, that was it. The the gig was up. It was so bad that I couldn't pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been hiding it slash, you know, trying to unsuccessfully stop. And I knew my – oh, oh, my wife was pregnant. She was six months pregnant. Okay, Yeah. And well, so I knew, like, she would leave me if I kept drinking. Mm-hmm. She would. Mm-hmm. I needed to quit before the baby came. Mm-hmm. And so so I did. And was it immediate? So you went to I – mean, can I just say you went to a meeting? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, I went to – A know, meeting. Doesn't a meeting. matter where. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the county of Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. And you had – had you ever been to one of those before? Once. I had gone once before, I, the, the year prior. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm, I'm an atheist. So mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way I'm going to do AA. Yeah. I'm not interested in any of this like religious cult crap. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I heard the parts of it I wanted to hear to prove that I shouldn't be there. Of course. Yeah. And I didn't go back. Yeah. Um, but then this time it was different. And I was like, I, I did, I did surrender. I said, I, I can't do this. And by what myself. did you do about the, all the God stuff? I mean, to this day, I I struggle as much as I think probably most atheists struggle, which is not that much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's kind of a bit of a crock to say that it's like God as you understand him. And then all – here's the thing. The, the literature is written in a holy way. Mm-hmm. As someone who went to Catholic school, I can tell you that it is written in a holy way, which is something that I – as an atheist, I would prefer – it to be purely spiritual and mm-hmm. not holy. Mm-hmm. So to say like, oh, well, it doesn't really mean the God that you don't want it to mean, but then have it always kind of like the tone and the reference of it to be the opposite. Mm-hmm. But like, who gives a shit? I'm sober. Right. Right. You know, like I don't let, I'm not hung up on it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God I let that go. Did you let that go on January 4th or did that take Yeah, I had to. Yeah. I had to. Or I wouldn't have been able to sit there and, and 
take anything positive in. I mm-hmm. would have been on guard for like the wrong word or the wrong tone. And are you really trying to get me to believe something I don't believe? And, uh, and, you know, it was such a part of my, um, who I was, my identity was that like, I didn't buy into this shit. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big part of it is like ego that I didn't want to have to say that I was in this program that people assume is very kind of like about God. So. And you couldn't move the way you had when you had been lecturing people about not drinking. Yeah, no, you know? I was like stuck. You, you were stuck in LA. <laughs> so these were the same people. And of course, those people didn't judge you. No. Because they're just like, cool, I'm glad you're getting help. Yeah, absolutely. It's all in your own head yeah. as to how people are going to react, and that's never the case. Yeah, yeah. So, And so what about do, – do, do you do step work even though – I'm terrible. I am on the fourth step. Mm-hmm. I have been for 17 months mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not really working it. Um, well, it's hard to do the third step as an atheist or no? Well, so I got over it. Like mm-hmm. it's hard – not as an atheist, as an alcoholic atheist. Okay. Like I I put up so many roadblocks. Like, well, what about that word? And like there was too much of uh, – I just have a hard time going along. Mm-hmm. And so it was I, – I did though. Like mm-hmm. I, I was able to kind of put that to the side and mm-hmm. say this isn't about the God that I don't believe in from St. Colette. This is about something else, and I was able to get past it. But it it was hard. Mm-hmm. Do you have just like a real patient sponsor who's like, cool, eighteen yeah. months? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe month nineteen. I have good. to find a new sponsor. It just it's not. I have a great sponsor, but I'm not engaging to do the work the yeah. way I need to. And I think that I just need kind of a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so this might be impossible to summarize, but how has your life changed? It's oh, I mean, it's amazing. It's so great. I I am always in gratitude mm-hmm. of the fact that I'm not lying. I'm not. I mean, you know, when you when you're an alcoholic and you're active, mm-hmm. everything is about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either drinking or you're recovering from drinking or you're plotting how you can drink again. Yeah, you know, like or gleeful anticipation. Yeah, which is the same thing it's, and horrible regret. Yeah, it's all this like you're in a constant state of like one of those places, Seems right? Uh, and it, it's all like, how do I spend time with the kind of people who are going to let me do this and in the places where I need to be so that I can do it? It consumed every waking moment of my entire life. So the fact that I'm not killing myself, that I, you know, can engage with the world in a healthy way, um, it's just I, my my company would have been gone. I wouldn't I wouldn't have a business. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a wife, which means I wouldn't have a kid. I mean, I have a kid, but mm-hmm. my relationship with her would be, would be very different. Yeah. Um, it gets ugly when you as you're you're getting older and it's progressive and it's getting worse. And I really feel like if I kept drinking. I don't think I'd be here. I think I probably would have just like offed it. Really? I mean, I never had any suicidal thoughts, but I I can see how it would have gotten there. How I would have gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, so do you wake up and you're like, woohoo, here we go, the day? Or do you struggle with negativity or how is that? I struggle. Yeah, I'd say I struggle with negativity. I, I see how things can be improved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my thing. So 
whatever is – if I do something well, I don't like give myself credit for it. I just accept it as like I should do that well. Yeah. Let's focus on what I don't do well. Yes. So that's kind of the way I am with, with everything, which could be considered negative. Well, I mean it's extremely effective when it comes to getting things done and mm-hmm. it's extremely ineffective when it comes to feeling good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're not even a Jew. That's how we're raised, Jews. Right. Well, I mean Catholic – yeah, I mean, you know, less like Stone's that. throw. Yeah, I mean, I was at this uh, – oh, at Reboot, this, um, yeah. you know, Jew thing. and Do your listeners know? I, about Reboot? It's literally the secret society of Jews who run Hollywood. Hollywood, I know. It's a real thing. Yes and no. I don't know. I haven't met those members yet. It's real. It's real. You, you're in it. I've seen – I don't run Hollywood. I saw the PDF, like, oh, did, yeah. pack it. And it was like it was literally impressive. like it explains that the purpose is to mold and shape the media with Jewish ethics and values. I didn't see that part. Oh, yeah. It spells it out. I mean, it's I a, just looked at the names yeah, of the people in it. It's a very impressive list of it's names. It's a very impressive list of names. I, You know, our mutual friend got me in. Yeah. But um, – what was my point? Oh, yeah, yeah. I convened at Reboot, the Park City, you know, why are um, – wait, what, now I can't remember. Oh, why are Jews chronically unhappy? And what we determined was um, – was first of all, everyone was convening like Israel and Palestine. Like, And I have this like – somebody convened why are Jews good in bed. So I didn't have the most low class, right. you know, <laughs> unintellectual one. But it's just like this, this you know, this belief that, you know, you have to get things done and happiness is not really that relevant. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It but really I, is. But I mean that's – I do think alcoholic thinking can go in that way where, you know, it's like putting the whip on yourself. It's just like um, you got to get it done. You got to get it done. Right. And like how you feel about it be damned. Is irrelevant. Yeah. And that's what – so that's what I'm struggling with now is yeah. that I'm almost two months after having like left the business and I'm trying – I'm doing the 90-90. Um, I'm going to start exercising, I swear. Fun. This, this week. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, literally, here's my plan. I'm going to walk up and down our hill uh-huh. what for hill? like a half an hour. Are you the, are you Runyon Hill? Or? No. We're over like Canyon – Okay. Like past Gelson's okay, by yeah. Griffith Park. Yeah. I'm just going to walk up and down the hill right. for a half an hour and then I'm going to lay on the floor of my bedroom <laughs> and like stretch and like hold my arms up and like that's going to be the beginning of my strength training. Yeah. Because I'm so out of shape that I'm literally going to lie on the floor mm-hmm. and not have the entirety of my body touching the floor and that's going to be my okay. resistance start. strength yeah. training. Um, I had a, a personal trainer I went to once and I couldn't move for like four days. So I'm scared off of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are t- – I hate it those It was trainers. terrible. Yeah. Um, and he's in all these like commercials and like NCIS stuffs. And so I see him all the time. So I'm always feeling really guilty <laughs> about it. Um, you can't do a trainer in LA. That's going to be a risk you're going to run. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – but yeah, I'm, I, I have to focus on the fact that like it's okay. I'm trying to give myself permission to do nothing for a year. Mm-hmm. To not, you know, I was going on a week long vacation with my wife and mm-hmm. she's like, you should like read a fiction book. Cause I've only read business books for like 10 years. I haven't mm-hmm. read fiction. And I'm like, okay. So I found someone recommended a book, uh, city of thieves, great mm-hmm. book. If you haven't read it. Um, and I got it and I said, okay, so like I have it on my Kindle. Do I annotate it here? Like, do I publish my, like, do I write up like a book review and publish it? And she's like, no, you just read it. Right. You just read it. And I'm like, well, what do I do 
after like as a result something right i have to build yeah like i always have to be building yeah and so i can't do something without like putting the brick that came you know what i mean yes totally and she's like you're so fucked up just read yeah. the fucking book and i did and it was a really good book so i'm trying to give myself permission to do things that don't require a result yes um and at the same time be a little healthier yeah how do you do on watching movies or does that feel like you're accomplishing something because you're adding to your no, I, knowledge? No, I go to see movies by myself all the time now. Okay. It's like, it's like me going to the bar. It's, it's yeah. a very big like escape thing for me. Yeah. Just go to the Arclight and I'll get, you know, like milk duds and yeah. sit there and watch whatever's there. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not judgmental about what it is. Good. You know, like if it's got a score of 20 on Rotten Tomatoes, I'll go and be like, I hope I really think it's a 32. That'll be a win. Yeah. And, uh, I yeah. just watched Jobs last night, which got like a – I like that movie. Oh, my God. It was so good. And, and it got a horrible score. Ashton Kutcher actually did a really good job of being Steve job. Jobs as Great far as job. I was concerned. And speaking of Kindles, I downloaded the Steve Jobs biography right afterwards. That's yeah. how into it I yeah. was. That's that's pretty good too. You're not going to like him afterwards. I oh, no. Think. I hated him after the movie too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's course. okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So this is fantastic. Is there anything else about addiction or recovery that um, you want people to know? Maybe people who are – well, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about the emails you would send your Yourself. You know, my vision for the site I created was it's for people who are fucked up at three in the morning and are like, should I kill myself or what's this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and I do get lots of That's emails great. from people who yeah. say that they heard this and it changed things for them. That's really great because, I mean, I went through that. I wish yeah. that it existed when yeah, I was. Me too. Because you would be in that place where you're so – I mean, you can only watch so many episodes of Intervention. Yeah. You know, you're like desperate for a connection to something that will make you feel better that has to do with sobriety. You don't know what that is. Yeah. And usually you're still drunk when you're – Oh, when yeah. You're, you know, when you're looking. When you're looking. Um, I mean, the quizzes. How many of the quizzes? Oh, oh my 20, god! You did those. I never did those. Oh, I always. They always came back that, and this is total bullshit. But that I was an alcoholic abuser, not an alcoholic. <laughs> well, you know how what they say is take the that quiz like a year into sobriety, and then you're going to get a different score because right. your honesty level is a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm you sure know? that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, um, no, I mean, I feel like I I've done a poor program. You know, I did 1990 when I first started, and then I basically did like probably one a week mm-hmm. for the next two and a half years, if that. There were times when I'd get busy with traveling, and I didn't do out of town means I didn't, I wasn't here. So I, I haven't done a lot of step work. Um, I was a treasurer once at one meeting for like three months, mm-hmm. and probably half the time I was out of town. Mm-hmm. Like I'm terrible. I'm, I like I don't feel qualified to kind of like speak to anyone about. But sobriety. That's the whole, the whole point is you've stayed sober and it doesn't you don't have to be like a perfect A student in AA to do that. Right. And I think that's really helpful. Because I mean, okay, so you were the treasurer and you were out of town. There are people who are the treasurer and steal the money. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there are people who go to the meetings and yell at people for yeah. you know what I mean, you're there, yeah. you're listening, you're doing 90 right. and 90 like it's it's working. It it is, but I feel Fortunate, like I, I feel like it's easier for me than it's been for pe- other people that I know. Mm-hmm. Like once I stopped, I didn't. When I once I really stopped, like I don't sit around. Like I'm not the guy who has to cross the street because there's a bar up there. Yeah, you know what I mean. But do you really know that guy? 
Do you uh, know anyone really I in guess, that position? I mean, I I know probably one or two people, but yeah, you're right. It's it's a rare thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for most of us, something happens, and for me, it seemed spiritual where that desire was removed the same way my tonsils were removed when I was 22. It right. feels like that. It was just like, oh, okay, this yeah. thing. It's right in front of me all the time. Yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easy. Yeah, so, living's hard. It, living's hard. Not drinking is not hard. Being an alcoholic in in general is hard. For yeah, me. like all the things that go along with that that I didn't realize about myself. A lot of it's tied to the stereotype of being an alcoholic. Yeah, but um, no, being sober, I, I don't struggle with really. Yeah, you know, I mean, I quit drinking and then a year later I quit smoking and then six months after no 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 sorry I quit drinking six months later I quit caffeine oh um I had a prostate uh prostate problem so I had to get off of caffeine okay and so I'm still off of that um and then six months after that I quit smoking um I've quit gambling Mm -hmm. like it I, I I've gotten good yeah. at quitting things. Yeah. And it just doesn't really impact like it's not a thing where like, oh my God, I wish I could go play cards or oh my God, I wish I could go have a cigarette. I just, it doesn't hit me like that. It, and it gets easier with everything you quit. Except the cigarettes. The cigarettes was cigarettes harder are for me a than bitch. anything. Yeah. 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 I would never ever ever have a cigarette again because then Yeah, I don't know if I have another quit impossible. smoking in me. Yeah, Those right. Three weeks, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. I hope it was partially interesting. The people are going to, they're going to love it. And I like that I got to know you in this way because I didn't know any of this. A lot of people only know probably 30% of what I said. So Exclusive material here on After Party Pod. I guess so. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Not your everyday alcoholic run-of-the-mill story. Am I right? Am I right? No alcoholism in the family. Uh, drinking late, no drugs, pot a couple times, but that just goes to show you it takes all kinds. I hope you love Jeff Ulrich. I hope you loved this podcast. Please subscribe, give us reviews. Love you. See you next time.